Welcome to the Kofu Mama Show. Today we have an award-winning author, Deborah Ann Davis. She is a teacher turned life coach. She is also a certified personal trainer and an environmentalist. Hi, Deborah. Thanks so much for being on the show today. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so good it's scary. <laughs> That's definitely the first time I heard that. I'm so glad you're doing good. Um, doing very good today as well. Um so let's just get right into it. So you've had uh, several bumps along the way. I mean, you've had a life-changing car accident, Lyme disease that affected your heart, even a surprise pregnancy. I mean, what was the biggest, you know, bump that you've had along the way that's, um, you know, that's had a big influence you and got you where you are today? Well. I believe that we are the sum total of all of our experiences. So everything that I've ever experienced got me here, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And all three of those things that you mentioned were complete game changers, but they were in different parts of my life. So mm -hmm. at this age, I would say the most influential one would be the most recent one. But the car accident, I broke my thumb, my nose, and both of my legs. Oh, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to walk. But that was back when I was 19. And I've had positive vibrations and ripples from that all my life. So that turned out to be a really good thing. And the Lyme disease, it was the um, beginning of the change in my life when I went from a career as a teacher to a career as being a parenting coach. So kind of just depends on what it is. And then of course, you know, having my daughter, <laughs> that is a game changer as you well know. And um, yeah, my husband and I got married very fast, but uh, it was, he, he was my first boyfriend when I was in high school. He was my first kiss. Oh, we, that's so sweet. 15 years later, right? So, when um, we got married, we only basically dated for two months as adults. Oh. Yeah, so we did it quick. And it turned out to be the best decision I ever made. But our plan had been to be a married couple for five years and really cement our relationship and learn how to be adults with each other. But... Four months after we got married is when I got pregnant. So <laughs> we had to switch over to plan B. So that changes everything too. Yeah. Did you feel that um, having a having a daughter got you guys even closer in that time? Or was it really, how was well, that experience? That I was pregnant. I was scared to death because, well, several, several reasons. One was that um, my parents had split up. And so oh. I was, but they had done it when I was younger, you know, I was 19 and we were a very close knit family. So kind of, you know, blindsided me. So when um. I got married so quickly, I was scared. You know, I thought I'm, I'm jumping in with both feet. I'm all in and I'm committed and I'm hoping that my leap of faith is going to be well-founded. Mm -hmm. But I needed those five years to make sure that that was true. But right. all of a sudden, I was trying to learn about how to be 
a partner in life and a wife. And now I was going to have to learn how to be a mother. Mm -hmm. And so that was one issue. Then the other issue is I'm the teacher of high schoolers. If you've got a high schooler, I'm your girl. I know what to do if you've got a situation. <laughs> I was thinking about being the mother of an infant. I was thinking, okay, when's she going to learn to talk? <laughs> you know, I, I, I was scared to death. So yes, she yeah. was a game changer. Did it bring yeah. us closer? Um, it put me in that spiral that moms get into where they think they're not adequate and they're trying to do everything and they're trying to mm. put on a strong front to the world and say, no, I got this. And, and, um, and they're worried about screwing up their child's lives and that stuff. I was in that place as a young mother mm. and, and I, I wasn't even young. I was in my thirties, but mm. I was unprepared. And since I, I got a science mind, so you always prepare stuff. So since right. I was unprepared, I was feel, felt like I was flying by the seat of my pants. And I, uh, I just, I was scared and I didn't tell anybody I was scared. So I, was I think that. that's a big thing that a lot of new moms do. Um, I don't know why there's a pressure to uh, have a baby and all of a sudden everything should be fine. I don't know yeah. where that came from. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to read the manual or something. I don't know. Oh, my kid didn't come with a manual. So <laughs> Makes it a problem, but I blame the media for it because yeah. they show us um, situation comedies where the mothers fall apart, which make it look absurd. And then you, you don't want to relate to that character. And then they show us movies where moms are really successful, commercials where the kids are, are, are well-dressed and in all the appropriate clubs and sports and and the mother doesn't have spit up on her shoulders and you know so it that becomes our ideal we don't understand that that's fantasy that's not real yeah. even mm -hmm. though we think all the other stuff on tv is not real for some reason we see that image of the perfect mom and then we think right. oh that's real and mm -hmm. i'm not doing it Mm. So, yeah, that's that's really eye opening, I think, um, especially right now um, with Kung Fu Mama, we portray certain things. I like to I like to talk about everything, obviously. And um, um, I like to portray a very oh, a realistic image. But I do realize that when we do put out ads out there, um, we do try to create a, a different image. Yes. Right. So yeah. it's that's 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 great. I'm so glad that you um, that you mentioned that. It sort of is a light bulb moment for me right now. But um, anyways, so back to the topic here. Um, so with all those experiences, um, you are now an award winning author. So what was the inspiration behind your book? First of all, a little shameless plug for my book: How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door. The of that was started by um, at a time where I didn't even know I was doing this, but I was still a teacher and I was in a parent teacher conference, which by the way, that's what parent coaching is, but it did, they didn't call it that back then. But mm -hmm. I was in a parent teaching conference with 
a daughter on this side and a mother on this side and they were banging heads and i was no stranger to that because usually when the parents and the kids come in it's because there's a behavior behavior issue or a grade issue or something so you've already got an upset parent and a sullen kid and right. you have to be able to bridge the gap between them so they talk right in this particular case the girl was sitting back and rolling her eyes and looking to the side and um her mother was taught it was about grades for this particular girl and the mm -hmm. mother uh, burst into tears and the girl was so aggravated that her mother was doing that and she was so embarrassed right and i said to the girl do you know why your mother's crying and she said something like um yeah because she's mad at me and i said no she's not crying because she's mad at you she's crying because she's scared she's scared that she's messing up your life she's scared that she's not able to help you get where you want to be so when you look back on this time you'll be pleased with it and the mother was like wiping her nose and nodding her head and, and saying you know yeah that's it that's what, i'm scared and the daughter was dumbfounded she had no idea kids don't put themselves in the parents shoes they have no idea that we're just making it up as we go along and when uh, i stopped teaching i had i decided i was going to be an author and i started with ya novels i like um humor suspense so that's what i wrote and cool. i ended up running into a student of mine who i had taught a different girl and I kept her after school for a very long time because she had an abusive boyfriend. She wasn't even old enough to drive. And apparently oh she'd had an abusive boyfriend periodically since the seventh grade. So she had this oh pattern. Going. I know. And she had this pattern going and she wanted to use my room as her locker so the boy wouldn't be able to find her in between classes. So I said, yes, but you have to come see me one day a week, every day, every week. After school, we're going to talk about relationships. So with that young lady, I had to come up with techniques, games, ideas, things that I could get her to engage in so she wouldn't feel defensive or if, like I was judging her, you know, so that she would open up and explore herself. Because mm -hmm. it was, wasn't about what I thought she should be doing. It was about her meeting herself. So she would know who she was. So she would be dependent on these negative relationships. So at the end, we made this little cheat sheet and she um, put it away. And I said, you use that. That's your list that, that you have come up with of what you want. And you pull it out whenever you need it. So I ran into her like five years later and she had it laminated in her wallet. Oh my gosh. And I know. And she pulled over this friend who I didn't know. And she said, this is that teacher I was telling you about. Show her yours. Show her yours. And that girl had one in her wallet laminated. Aww. It was a different list. And the girls, my student said, well, um, I don't remember everything that you said, but I, I tried my best. But, you know, we, this, we're, we've been single for a long time. So they were proud about it, you know, mm -hmm. that they were happy with themselves. That girl and her friend told me I needed to be putting the stuff in books. So I ended up writing this book so the moms could stop being scared. And the wow. thing is, 
what parent coaching is all about is you sit with a coach, you talk about your relationship, and the coach picks out the things that you are already doing that are good. So you mm-hmm. can keep doing those things. I see. And then we supplement them with things that will help the shore up the parts that are not so good in your relationship. I mean, we didn't have lessons. Our parents didn't have lessons. So we're all making right. it up as we go along. But yeah, and just do it quicker with somebody who's got lots of experience. Yeah. And I think the idea of getting um, help or having any type of self-help before is uh, totally a big no-no. I think, yes. I think we've all come a long way in, in yes. that respect. Um, I think we give lip service to coming a long way in that respect. Because we think mm-hmm. if that person over there needs help and they're getting it, that's great. But do we do it for ourselves? Mm. So I think that intellectually, we think it's great. But to say, I need help, it's like right. some inner shame that, oh, I shouldn't do that. You know, everybody else has got it. As a matter of fact, right. everybody else in the entire state has it except me. I'm mm-hmm. the only one who's worried about screwing up my child's life. No, 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 no. Every single mom you see is worried about screwing up your child's life. Everybody is. Yeah. Yes. So many of us are now great. You don't need to be worried. <laughs> right. I think that's a great message. That's definitely a great message. Um, and you've inspired many other other parents, I'm sure. Um, so how would you, you speak about something called learning styles? How do parents use learning styles to uh, better understand their children then? There's a lot of things you can use. You can use learning styles. You can use personality quizzes, anything. They, they're all over the internet. And um, I have one on my, I have a learning styles quiz on my website if somebody wants to go there and try it. Here's the thing. I, I, I go at learning styles because I'm a teacher. So that's my orientation. What, sorry, what exactly is learning styles? like? A-, a learning style is the way you take in information, it's the way you process information, and it's the way you perceive the world. It's actually the way you handle relationships. Mm-hmm. So if you go online and you look up learning styles, you could find some approaches that use like 18 different learning styles. I'm like, my brain, I, I, I don't like doing that. I don't want it all simple. So I use the one that uses three learning styles, the visual learning style, the auditory learning style, and the kinesthetic learning style. And you know, if you've got the kind of brain that likes it more finely defined, then go for the other ones. So, mm-hmm. you know, pick and choose, find the one that resonates with you. That's my point. Anyway, okay. to make this quick and easy, if you are an auditory person, then you did well in the classes that they gave you lectures in and they just spoke. Mm-hmm. And probably that was an auditory person who was teaching because they're teaching the class the way the world makes sense to them. So you do well in that class. But the visual person next to you who needs to see things struggles in that class because they're not learning and hanging on to the information the same way. That doesn't mean they can't succeed. Mm -hmm. It's just more difficult. So now bring that into the house. You're an auditory parent and you've got a visual child and your visual child is watching TV and you come in and say, when that show is over, I want you to dump out the garbage, take out the garbage. 
And they say, okay, okay. And you come back hours later and the garbage has not been taken out. They're not even watching the TV anymore. They're off doing something else. And it's happened six times this week. And now there's this big blow up. Okay. But your visual child did not retain the information that was floating around in the air. And if you're an audio auditory mom, all you have to do is get a sticky note and write garbage and put it on the table in front of the kid. And when the show's over, they'll see it and they'll go, oh, garbage. And they'll go take it out. Mm-hmm. That's what learning styles have to do with family interactions. Mm-hmm. And it's also about the way we um, share and receive love. If you share and receive love differently than your spouse or differently than one of your kids, then they don't know that they're getting a love message from you. Right. Right. So it's, it's the, all of this stuff. If you take these quizzes and identify who you are and what you do and identify who they are and what they do, then you have a really clear path to communicating with them. Amazing. It never, a lot of people don't think about it that way or don't look at it that way. It's more whether they got it right or wrong. Yeah, it's my teaching background. It's just, you know, you just explore until you find stuff that works. Okay, so so for moms, though, uh, again, going back to this idea of having having a lot of guilt. Um, so you also say that there's a three mom myths, and one of them is guilt, I imagine. Can you tell us more about this, uh, the, the three mom myths? So... I, I just talk about three mom myths, there's tons of them. And part of it was about what we were discussing earlier, how the other moms have it all together. That's not true, but mm-hmm. we believe these myths, right? Right. Um, I guess the first one is the super mom myth. That's most closely tied into what we were talking about or the super dad myth. I mean, I, it happens to them too. The thing is that that, perfect person that you see dropping off the kids at school and how Mm -hmm. their kids are all together, that person's getting help. Nobody does it by themselves. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets help in the areas that they can't handle or they're not handling it. So that whole super mom thing is not real. Just never was. And, you know, you need to cut yourself some slack in terms of that because Mm -hmm. If you don't, here's the biggest crime of all. If you don't get out of the super mom myth, then you will teach your daughter that she's got to be super. And that is a creator of anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, That's that, a big thing. Perfect. Right, right. Yeah. Then the second myth is about the plenty of time myth where mm-hmm. you know, we want to um, make sure our kids have all the same things that the other kids have and that they have more than we do. And so we start putting stuff on our plates, you know, like when my daughter was little, I, I signed her up for ballet lessons and for T-ball lessons, which is like, you know, beginner baseball. Uh-huh. I'm so glad she didn't like that one. And it was, <laughs> and then, um, and gymnastics and uh, what was the other one? Ballet, gymnastics. Oh, and karate. Right. And then back in the day, this TV show came on and all of a sudden I realized that I was raising a Power Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) 
wait, I don't want a Power Ranger. What am I doing? But I was, I was cramming her life full of all these things because I thought it would make her life better going forward. She right. ended up playing basketball. <laughs> so, so naturally they'll gravitate towards something, right? And you just have to they'll pick up on something. the cues. They'll find a friend who's doing something and they'll want to do it with them. It's all good. And here's the problem. We fill our, our schedule with so much stuff, right? Yes. Every single minute is scheduled and it all works just fine on the calendar, but it doesn't work well in real life. Everything gets scrunched up against each other, right? Yes. And then something happens like your, your, your washing machine goes on strike or yeah. somebody's invited you to go away for the weekend for your family or, yeah. um, the kids have a new performance at school. We, the biggest problem is we don't take something off of our plate and put this new thing on in place of it. We just right. shove everything over to the side and then add these new things on as if we had extra time for them. Right. And then that rackets up our, our stress. Mm -hmm. So there is no such thing as plenty of time. You get eight hours to sleep, get eight hours of work or school, and then you've got eight hours for everything else. That's right. all your quality time, all your meditation, all your self-care, all your interactions with your children, the homework, the sports, the relaxation periods, the times where you're just rolling around and giggling or cuddling. All of that's supposed to be fitted mm -hmm. in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's something, especially today, because that also gets taken up by time spent on social media and trying to connect with people around the world, which is yeah. also good, but still um, also very time consuming. It is. And we think that, well, we've got plenty of time and we yeah. don't. Time yep. is precious. And so, uh, yeah. So a lot of times we have a lot of activities um, lined up together and then we might hit a tantrum. So please shed some light on what do we do about toddler tantrums? Okay, so first of all, if, um, uh, if, you're, if you've got a toddler, they understand what you say to them. So yeah. the big thing that I said to my daughter, it, which turned out to be so successful, is, and we said this all the time to her, sometimes you get your way, and sometimes you don't. This is mm -hmm. one of the times you don't get your way, but you will get your way another time. So it'll be okay. We started that early. So she was all right with it. And then when she did get her way, I would say, sometimes you get your way and sometimes you don't. This is one of the times where you're getting your way. And I'd use that for like, you know, if she wanted seconds on peas or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, want some more milk? This is one of those times where you get your own way, you know? Oh, my so gosh. It was a great reinforcing thing, but it let her understand that no was not heart-wrenching. So that okay. was one of the things we did. And then um, she understood things early. So mm -hmm. one time, like when she was old enough to stand up, younger than your daughter is, but old enough mm -hmm. to stand up and... Um, was saying mama and dada and that kind of thing. 
Right. Um, every morning she would wake us crying in her crib. And one day, just out of exasperation, I said to her, honey, you don't have to cry in the morning. You can just say mama. And she never cried again. She called mama every morning and I would get up and she'd just keep calling until I came. Wow. She understood. And I thought she was too little. I, you know, I was being sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) She understood it. So a lot of their frustration, a lot of the tantrums are frustration about not being able to understand what's going on with them. Right. So if you remember that the tantrum is something happening to them, Mm -hmm. not something they're doing to you. Right. It'll help you approach it from a place of love instead of a place of, I'm an overwrought mom. I've got too much on my plate. I, I'm at my wits end and, oh, she's doing this now. If you remember that it is something happening to her, mm-hmm. then it'll calm you down and make you right. feel like, let me go rescue her. Because when moms get into rescue mode, we're efficient. Yeah. So, That's so true. I love that. I love that. Get into rescue mode. The third thing is, and I'm sorry I interrupted you, but the third thing is that, and I learned this lesson totally by accident. My daughter threw a tantrum in a department store right at the entrance because I had promised her we were going to go see the toys before we left, but I ran out of time. And I said, oh, we can't go see the toys. Well, she wasn't having it. So she threw a tantrum right there at the entrance where everybody's going in and out of the door. And there was a circular rack of women's clothing and she threw herself backwards into the rack and it was long clothes. And all I could see was her little legs sticking out. She was kicking. So I couldn't even reach her right (laughs) in the face. And she was in there screaming and yelling. And I was so embarrassed. I was thinking, oh, all these people think I'm a terrible parent. And, you know, I was so embarrassed. So she eventually ran out of steam because, you know, any explosion has to die out at some point. So I said, are you done? And she goes, no. And she takes a deep breath and launches right back into it. And I was thinking, oh, I should have just pulled her out. I shouldn't have said anything. She's kicking and screaming and all these people are walking about by, you know, not looking at me, you know, eyes <laughs> <laughs> and embarrassment. And, and then she started, started to wind down again. And I said, are you done? And she goes, no. And she starts kicking and screaming again. And I was like, wow, she's got some endurance. And then this elderly woman came by and patted me on the arm and said, you're doing the right thing, dear. Don't give in. You will thank your lucky stars later. I was like, oh, well, thank you. And I'm saying elderly, but I think she's probably the age I am now, but I, I was so young. She looked like an old person, right? <laughs> so, anyway, I just waited. And every time she said, I, she, she calmed down. I said, are you done? She'd go, no. And she jumped back in again, but it was shorter and shorter and shorter. And I knew I was going to outweigh her. So I, now I'm like looking at the people walking by and they're all giving me sympathetic smiles and we're all rolling our eyes and they weren't judging me. They're all really happy. They weren't in my shoes. <laughs> finally calms down. And I said, you done? She goes, yes. So I help her out of the clothes and we leave the store and she never had another tantrum. Why? 
because it didn't work. And oh. I would have pacified her if I could have reached her. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have gone to the whole thing about, oh, we're in public. I need to, you know, calm her down. I thank my lucky stars. I couldn't get my hands on her because that was the only tantrum she ever had because she tried it. It didn't work. And that was, was you know, she went back to arguing. <laughs> wow. Conversation. So I'm, I'm saying they're moms of teenagers. I'm telling you, don't just change what you're doing with your teenager without telling them ahead of time, like when things are calm, because if you do that, you'll freak them out. The, the, if you just sit there and wait a tantrum out and you didn't do that before, they'll think you're rejecting them in some terrible way. So you don't want to do that. You want to say to them in a calm moment when things are good that, you know, when you have a problem and you get upset, I honestly get so distracted by the anger and the noise that I can't help you well with your problem. So this is what we're gonna do, because I think we can do this better. And I love you so much that I don't wanna be in these situations of anger with you. So mm -hmm. the next time this happens and you get that upset, I'm gonna step away for a couple of minutes. And then when you feel better, we're gonna come back together and we're going to talk. And then you and me together will solve your problem. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I really can't focus when you're yelling. I mean. How you can't focus when I'm yelling, so you must know what I'm saying. Right. So, and then let your teenager run their gamut on their tantrum because your teenager will say, Well, that was a waste of time and I didn't mm -hmm. get my way. So, right. I got to find a more strategic way to approach my parents to get my way because yelling and sulking and slamming the door isn't working. Right. Yeah, that's. That's very enlightening. Um, so, parents also, if they what if if they're too stressed, is there uh, are there any other um, you know quick tips you have if they just they just are like really up in their head? Yeah. Well, yeah. And these are really quick and easy things that you can do. You know, I'm a I'm a science geek, so I'm all about what the body can do physically to change its body chemistry and make you feel mm -hmm. better. Right. So. These things I'm telling you, you don't have to believe them for them to work. You can just do it and it'll still benefit you. But just like changing your routines with how you're handling tantrums, you have to tell your family you're going to be doing these things or you are going to freak them out. Okay. So the first one is my favorite. I call it the fake smile. And when you smile, these <laughs> muscles generate, I mean, trigger all these nerves that generate impulses to your brain, which help trigger your happy hormones. Okay. That is a physiological response. If you fake smile, your body can't tell the difference. It does all that happy hormone generating, even if you don't mean it. So if you're upset and you're in the middle of an argument with your, your significant other or your child, if you suddenly just make a grin, that's why you have to tell them ahead of time or they'll think you're like flipping out. But <laughs> if you grin at them, you will, you will change the chemistry in your body. Oh my you God. Physically start generating happy hormones in your gut and in your brain. And that will change the way you're doing things. My I love that. Me, my daughter says to me now, she's grown, right? She says to me, 
Mom, I used to hate it when you'd say to me, smile in the middle of a fight. <laughs> I say, I, I would realize that we're escalating. And I'd say, all right, come on, smile at me. Just go like this. Just grit your teeth and move your lips apart. Just go, just smile at me. And she'd say, mom, I, you're not listening. I said, just smile at me. Just, just do it. And she'd go, all right, like that. And then you know, it would interrupt the whole negative cycle. She'd still be mad. We'd still be arguing but we were no longer escalating. Mm. So that's, that's so my nice. first quick fix, a fake smile. Okay. And then my second one is looking upward. So it's not about raising your chin. It's just casting your eyes upward. Mm. That physiologically creates happy hormones. So if you just, for people who are listening right now, just take a second and think about what the area between your belly button and your throat what that feels like right this second, and then look up and see if you can feel a little tingle, a little feeling of relief or a little positive feeling inside of you. And then look straight and then look up again and just see if you can feel this little, ah, rush. That is <laughs> body creating the happy hormones again. And then That's the so cool. third one that does that is a quick, loud exhalation. <sighs> like that. Right? You can think of it as like a sigh of relief. And, right? Doesn't it change your chemistry? Doesn't it make you feel differently when you do it? Right. right. You feel kind of refreshed. Put all three of those together, what do you have? A hissy fit. <laughs> think of a teenager who rolls her eyes and goes, and is grinning uh -huh. sarcastically at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> they are self-soothing instinctively. They are stopping the escal escalation, not even knowing what they're doing. But when we roll our eyes in exasperation, that's easing us. That's making us feel better. We see mm -hmm. our kids rolling their eyes at us. We take that personally and get mad. Again, that's not necessarily something they're doing to you. That's something happening to them. I and see. if you know this is going on and you tell your kids this is what happens, you say to them, don't do that in front of your teachers or other people. Do one of the other things to make yourself feel better because they will see it as a sign of disrespect. And that just makes everything worse. But if you're going to self-soothe, then you do the sighing or, or tapping your feet, you know, or I just made the screen jump up and down, but you tap <laughs> your feet up and down. That helps ground you. That is a self-soother. Mm -hmm. It is a happy hormone generator. Or if you can just grin, then you will make yourself feel better. Just don't roll your eyes in front of other adults. And me, because I love you, when I see you rolling your eyes, I will try to remember that that's not something directed at me. Okay, guys, all you guys listening, go and do these three things. You know, smile or fake smile, look up, and then breathe a sigh of relief, right? Exactly. And you write them on a little sticky note. So stick it on your bathroom mirror or in your refrigerator when you see them. It'll remind you, just do it. And you just give yourself this little extra jolt of happiness whenever you see them. And your kids will see it. And just tell them, whenever you see this, you have to do those things. 
I love it. I love it. This is great. Um, I forgot to say my other thing for, for your age group. Okay. Never ask her a yes or no question. Ah. It is not, are you ready for bed? It's, do you want to put on your pajamas before the bedtime story or after the bedtime story? Okay. Look at two choices that you can live with. That is very, very, very informative. I can't believe I forgot to say that. Right now, she's in this phase of everything is no. Yes, exactly. Exactly. She just loves to say no. When my daughter was little. You know, the the ages is like nose, eyes, right? We we filmed her in her high chair. There were peas on the on the little table part. She was eating them one at a time with her fingers. And I was asking her all these questions because she understood mm-hmm and mm-mm, right? All right, I am a science geek, okay? So I'm, I'm sitting there saying this to my toddler. Um, are there 12 inches in a, uh, are there 12 inches in a foot? She's like, mm-hmm. I said, is there, is it 150 million miles from the earth to the moon? She's like, mm-hmm. Is there 365 days in a year? Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a nap? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. She didn't know what I was saying. She just was responding to the question saying. But, yeah, the um, when you give them a choice, bedtime and stopping eating and cleaning up and all those things are interrupting what they're doing. And they don't understand about you can return to it or it's again tomorrow. They're always in the moment, which is where we should be, but they're, they're always in the moment. So you give them a choice that's going to help them get where you want them to be. Right. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. She's always like, everything is no. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we we definitely I feel like we definitely are always giving into her tantrums. <laughs> yeah, because it is nerve wracking. Plus, she's distressed. So yeah. one of the things you do is you can sit next to her when she's railing away, mm-hmm. and you know, get something that makes you look occupied, like a book, and periodically say, "Are you done yet? I love. <laughs> are you done yet?" I love you. Are you done yet? <laughs> and, and just wait. I mean, you're not going to be able to focus or concentrate. Just look like you are. Yeah. And um, she will learn that that's not going to work. Yeah. The thing is that parents, I hear so many times that like, don't go pick up your baby when they're crying in the crib because they're just trying to to make you do stuff. You know, I'm like, Babies only have one way to communicate with you. And they're trying to tell you that something is amiss. So you need to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. I like agree. I totally agree with that. When they can talk to you, when they can understand you, mm-hmm. then you have to, that's when you start to train them. Yeah. So you, she's old enough to say, when you get mad, I'm going to let you get mad because I, I think, I think you like the way that feels. So I'm going to let you get mad for a while. Mm-hmm. And I love you. So I'll be here when you're done getting mad. We'll talk. We'll talk when you're done. Are you done? Okay. We'll talk. 
you know, and just, and just be there with them so they don't feel rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all these wonderful, uh, wonderful tips you've given us. I feel like I learned a lot today. Um, a lot of light bulb moments, I'd say, for our podcast today. So I very much appreciate that. I know our listeners appreciate that. So uh, how can we find you? Well, I have, um, I'm, I'm all over the place, really, but I have a website, DebraAnnDavis.com. And for your listeners, if you go to my homepage, there is a free um, copy of my book called How to Get Your Happy On. So anybody who wants to sign up for my email, I mean, my uh, newsletter called Mary Meddling, because, you know, I obviously like to stick my nose in other people's business. <laughs> but um, if you sign up for my newsletter, you get a free copy of the book. Also, I'm on Facebook and I have a group called the Mom Meetup Raising Confident Girls. And everybody's invited to join that. And then I have another group called Life, Advi Life Advice 101. Okay. And of course, anybody who's looking for a little help, the um, first session is always free while we figure out what you need. So if you just want to contact me, you can email me at info at deborahanddavis.com. Amazing. Awesome. So yeah, thanks so much for all of that. And for all you listeners out there, don't forget to follow uh, Coco Mama Show at Facebook, IG, and YouTube. And thank you so much for for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.